Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. That's the second time it's gone off. Never got home, they never got home, they never got home, those, those, those boys. England defence in the best job has scored the highest ball, turn it and get down for Houghton! Goal! And scored! We're a small country and Listen, we're up against it, but let's not just go along for the sink song every now and again. Oh, it's match day on the Irish Times Second Captain's Euros podcast. There I was, Murph, last night, allowing that dastardly hope to build up inside me once again. <laughs> Watching Liam Brady on TV explaining very clearly that this second string Italian side will contain some players of very dubious quality. So I was starting to feel a little bit good about things, but then they threw to Tony O'Donoghue at the stadium, who was chatting away to a bubbly Italian journalist named Simone Malaguti of Mediaset. I was thinking, what will Simone have to say, Senor Malaguti? Mm. Well, what he did was he pricked the balloon fairly lively when he described a moment at the Italian press conference earlier that day. Antonio uh, Conte, sensing that the journalists were just going through the motions a little bit and not taking this press conference or indeed fixture too seriously, he rounds on them and angrily reminds them that there's a big game to win and maybe they should book up their attitudes a little bit. Conte won't even let the journalists relax. He like, took a whistle out of his pocket, <laughs> blew it three times shrilly and then got them around in a circle around him. Uh, just had lab-basted them for their uh, lacklustre attitude towards the whole thing. Ken's right. This, guy's, this guy is crazy. Yeah. Yeah, I'd... I'd well, I, I, don't, I don't want to start... You're, you're trying to start an upbeat note, and I love you for no, it. No, I don't want to. Forget about the upbeat. I was upbeat before the last game. We can, yeah. start, we can start on this note. It's fine. Yeah, I'm just... I'm, I don't have the hope that <laughs> I had in, on the previous two matchday mornings. Because of content. These are special days, Owen. These are special days, and I would love to be able to go into days like today, you know, in the, in the right frame of mind. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe I should have taken a few rest days, you know, like the Ireland team did. <laughs> Yeah, that I think maybe if I'd taken one of Sunday, Monday, or Tuesday off, maybe I'd feel better now, you know. But uh, <laughs> as it is, you know, I, I I just feel like I don't have the energy for this. But who knows, one? Who knows? Maybe there's one big performance left in us yet. I made the mistake of reading up a little bit more on Antonio Conte's motivational tactics. I couldn't help myself, Murph. Any given Sunday, Andrea Pirlo in his book no. says. When Conte, no, not well, even maybe, better than that. Yeah, when Conte speaks, his words assault you. They crash through the doors of your mind, often quite violently, and settle deep within you. I've lost track of the number of times I found myself saying, "Hell, Conte said something really spot on again today." This is the motivator we're talking about. And Buffon, I suppose you have to say nice things if you're a current player. Mm. 
Buffon was saying very nice things about his motivational ability. I think we probably have the one man in the competition. If Leonard Slutsky, whatever his yeah. name was, the star of Euro twenty six, if he was in charge of the opponents tonight, I, uh, you know, I might start thinking a little bit more mm. along the lines of them possibly dropping the ball. But he's even trying to get the uh, the supporters on side. Yeah, the, as been, in whipping the supporters into shape, I should say, Conte. Yeah, he's been lambasting them as well for not wearing, <laughs> not wearing the 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 Italian jersey. He even went so far as to say it doesn't matter if it's not the official. Yeah, you can get Italy a jersey. cheap blue T-shirt to be fine. Anything of the color that would be that would be just great. So I mean, he's he's it's a flamethrower type approach he's taking to uh, his lambasting in this tournament so far. No one is safe. If we do find a way through Conte's army tonight, we'll be emulating Northern Ireland in qualifying for the last 16. Extraordinary stuff by them. Ken was in the Stade de France last night. Yeah, that was uh, about 20 minutes after the game, apparently. RT.E's Glenn Mason tweeted the jubilant Northern Ireland fans. Possibly, Ken, the best fans in the world. <laughs> well, they sing in the stadium for a start, which yeah. is uh, a neat little wrinkle they've added to the whole uh, best fans of the world approach. They were in the Parc de France, by the way, not the Stade de France. Oh, Parc de France, um, my apologies. As was, as was I. Yeah. Um, Stade de France, not a lot going on there yesterday. But the Parc de France... Uh, out in the western side of Paris uh, was an inferno, a green inferno, a loyal inferno of uh, Northern Irish passion and German diffidence. (laughs) Uh, Germany, I mean, there was a point just after the hour mark of the game when the Northern Irish fans started to bait the German fans a little bit. Because there was a little, little song from the German fans and the Northern Irish fans responded with a uh, round of we forgot that you were here, and then there was a then there was a moment when they all went shh, 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 shh. and you could you could then hear the, uh, German supporters sort of, of, of conversation. You know, uh, would you like a beer coming from the other end of the uh, stadium? And uh, the Northern Irish fans all hey, and then you know started singing, kind of singing a song for you. But you know, it's one of those situations where the little team. At one of these, um, at one of these types of matches, usually out sings the big team. It's a bigger deal, you know. Northern Ireland are here in the European Championships. It's a historic moment for them. For Germany, it's literally like, oh, who are we playing? Ireland? Why do they? Why are they singing "God Save the Queen"? This is weird. <laughs> um, you know. Uh, so uh, Germany, yeah, Germany were kind of weird. I mean, if it was, uh, was it a good performance for them? I think it actually was. Um, but they need to get a little bit more efficient in front of goal because they're not necessarily going to get as many chances as they have as they do against um, as they do against uh, other well, teams. Yeah, well, they might not necessarily have to come up against Michael McGovern again. Ken, he uh, got a round of applause apparently on the way into the dressing room. Yeah, um, <clears throat> he had an amazing go- uh, amazing game. Amazing. My, I mean, um, Michael O'Neill said, "Well." 
you know, he plays for Hamilton Academical, so he is used to having to make a lot of saves in a game. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I don't know if he's necessarily used to, you know, Thomas Muller uh, or Mario Götze bearing down at him with the ball at his feet, but he seems to adapt pretty well to that situation. I mean, he made five saves, I think, uh, which most of which were in one-on-one situations. I mean, it was incredible. You know, you thought Germany were going to score after just a couple of minutes. Muller was in, uh, and they just kept getting in. Uh, they're a very difficult team to stop uh, because their movement is so good. I mean, their attacking movement is, is brilliant. So in, if they're in a game where there literally is no attacking threat and there really wasn't any attacking threat from Northern Ireland because they, I mean, they had Connor Washington standing on the halfway line, but he was just, he didn't quite have the sort of, maybe if, maybe if Northern Ireland had had Neymar standing on the halfway line, Germany might have had to, adopt a slightly less uh, aggressive approach. But instead, I mean, it was really just Matt Hummels looking after him a lot of the time. They didn't even bother uh, with Boateng. I wondered why it was Hummels rather than Boateng who was given that job because it seems to me that if you were Northern Ireland and there was only going to be one German defender marking your one attacking player, you would want that man to be Matt Hummels. He's not exactly um, a speedster. Uh, but as it was, I mean, it, it was just so difficult for Northern Ireland to get any kind of accurate ball up in his direction to make it difficult, you know, you, you know, that he could actually run after and end up in a dangerous position. Um, and there was really nobody else who could come forward in support of him. So that when it, whenever they did sort of win the ball and break away, there was just not, not enough of them forward. It was easy for Germany to get the ball back. I mean, it was total domination from Germany, obviously. So the fact that it was 1-0 uh, was a tremendous testament to how well um, McGovern played in Northern Irish goal because it could easily have been five or six. Ken, as I listen to you, I'm watching Tim Howard's 16 saves in one quick video against Belgium in the 2014 World Cup. That was what I was thinking when McGovern started to make all of his. Funny, for for some reason, I had changed the narrative of that Howard performance in my head and over the intervening couple of years had, had started to believe maybe he didn't make that many good saves. When I look at them, there actually were quite a few. There were a few really easy ones within the 16 for Tim Howard, but maybe about three or four what they describe as world-class saves. And McGovern's, as you say, almost all of them, uh, there weren't as many saves as Howard, but almost all of them were quite difficult, or certainly many of them were. Like the one early on in the second half on Mario Götze, when Götze was coming in, tried to st- try to sneaky little sort of volley into the near post. Mm-hmm. And not only did McGovern sort of stand... T- uh, Jens Lehmann was on BBC Commentary Duty, and he said, what was really impressive is goalkeepers now tend to just go down as easily as possible because it's the easy thing to do is just to jump down and panic. But McGovern essentially held his nerve by by standing as big as he could for as long as he could and then had this really strong hand to bat it away. It was it's a kinda of, I, I guess in in retrospect it was always going to be necessary for their goalkeeper to put off these sort of saves for them to get to get the result they needed. Yeah. Um I mean yeah he did have a great game. I'm not sure if if Michael McGovern played like that in every game he'd still be playing for Hamilton Academical at the age of 31 certainly it would be the one of the great injustices <laughs> in the football world although Michael O'Neill did say you know this is a guy who can who can definitely play at a higher level so hopefully people were watching obviously 31 is is a good age for a goalkeeper yeah so Michael O'Neill afterwards Ken I don't know what he was like in the press conference but certainly he seemed in the TV interview to be pretty confident that he had done what a lot of people seem to be getting very confused over the permutations he said look another team is going to have to come along and get three points with a positive goal difference and that's unlikely to happen um you know we, we should be okay he seemed reasonably comfortable i don't know if he was 
And he was correct. Yeah, he was correct, and he was proven correct by the time they even got off the bus on the way home. He was yeah. proven correct because the checks messed it up. Yeah. Um, I mean, Turkey came through for Northern Ireland in a big way, uh, winning that match 2-0, and that's what they needed. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's, an ama- it's an amazing achievement. So it's, it's, it's going to be Northern Ireland against Wales. We're not, uh, I'm not sure Wales, if it's Wales or France, yeah. Wales or France? Imagine Northern Ireland against Wales. At the st- I think it's in Saint-Denis as well. I think it's like the Stade de France. Oh, is it? Or is it Paris? I'm not sure. It's, it's definitely in Paris. Uh, pretty incredible to think that one of Northern Ireland or Wales is going to be in is going to be in Euro 2016. Well, we don't know that yet. It may not. It may not work out that way. Uh, I think a lot of it still hangs on what happens in the other Ireland match tonight. How impressed were you with Northern Ireland? If you compare it to our performance, say against them, I suppose we won the game. I keep forgetting. I keep forgetting the Northern Ireland didn't actually win last night. But there did seem to be a sense that they went the goal down and they realised. This will do just fine. It's, it's nobody. No professional footballer goes out to lose a game again, but they all would prefer to lose one nil than say three or four nil and potentially get knocked out of the tournament. And the Germans were quite accommodating in that respect as well. I, I think. I think to be honest. Well, I don't know how accommodating Germany were. Actually, I think Germany were trying to score. They. I mean, what they, the last twenty minutes shots. were pretty pedestrian now. Ken. Yeah, but you know, I, I think a lot of Germany's performance against us was pretty pedestrian. No, that was just a qualifier. And I don't think they were really up to it. I mean, I remember one of the most dramatic moments of the game was Mario Götze's um, horrible groin injury when he he tried to do some fairly basic sort of maneuver out by the right corner flag and buckled to the ground, screaming in pain and clutching at his groin and had to drag himself off the field. Um, uh, who else was? I mean, Marco Royce was playing for Germany that night. He obviously isn't uh, isn't here now. Um, and I don't think they were playing a centre-forward. I mean, they, they obviously used the centre-forward, Mario Götze, or Gomez, I should say, um, which, okay, he he scored the goal, he missed a few chances, but generally speaking, I think it actually worked well for them to have that player in the team, and this is something Love talked about after the game in terms of uh, it created a lot of space for Thomas Muller. It's amazing the number of times Muller uh, appears free in the box. Um, but, you know, Germany, it's... Like I, I, I thought that Ireland played better against Germany than Northern Ireland did. It, even if you take it, if you leave aside the fact that Germany at a tournament is, is usually a bit more formidable than Germany in a qualifier, I think they played well. I think they played better because Germany didn't really have that many clear chances against Ireland. I mean, I remember Ozil had a chance in the first half which he missed and laughed about. Royce had a chance in the second half which he put over the crossbar from a from a quick counter attack, and there weren't. Uh, Muller actually had a chance which I think he put wide. Uh, and that Muller chance was from Germany's typical uh, way of making a chance, which is <laughs> Germany always roll the ball back to the penalty spot. They never, whenever they get in, uh, you know, sort of behind the defence, and the natural inclination of, of the defenders is to sort of start running back towards the goal line. Germany always play the ball back behind the defenders. You know, it's like, it's just a mechanical, it's it's like a, an automatic thing that they do. Um Maybe, maybe if you if you comb through all the footage of Germany playing, there are occasional there are occasional examples of them not doing that. But generally speaking, if Germany get, if Germany get in there, the ball is not coming directly across the face of the goal. It's being cut back to the penalty area. You have to be aware of that. And it's it, it they do it to exploit the fact that every trained instinct of every defender is just to block the obvious ball. You know what I mean? They always they always cut back. Um, and Northern Ireland didn't actually deal with it that well. There were there was a lot of chances. I mean, Muller smacked the bar from. 
one. There was a couple of other similar situations. Usually you'd expect Germany to score. So I do think Northern Ireland were a little bit lucky. I don't want to sound bitter because they, you know, they played they played very well. They obviously put in tremendous effort. Everybody was back defending. Fans were incredible, uh, and goalkeeper was magnificent. At the same time, they were still a little bit lucky. I do have a feeling. But, you know, who said yeah. they didn't deserve a little I bit d- of luck? I do have a feeling, Ken, that Mike Martin O'Neill, if things go badly tonight, m- might soon tire of the mentions uh, that the comparisons with Michael O'Neill is <laughs> taking Northern Ireland into the second round. It's just like every every other club is going to tire of the comparisons to Leicester, for example. Uh, I, I would imagine this uh, this might necessarily bode well for Martin O'Neill. Um. You know, well, pe- well, people would be saying... Northern Ireland, Northern Ireland get into the next stage and we don't. Yeah, exactly, yeah. No, it's not good, it's not good really, is it? Mm. But, you know, uh, Northern Ireland won a game. That's true. Yeah. And, and if we uh, win a game, we're through, so... Yeah, it's true. And, you know, the uh, if you looked at the two groups before the tournament started, you would probably have said that Northern Ireland both have a worse a worse team than us and a harder group. So there's still a lot of wiggle room left for... I don't know if you would have necessarily said they have a harder group, but I definitely... I wasn't expecting them to get out of that group. No way. You know, I was expecting them to lose to Germany and Poland, which I suppose they have done. <laughs> but uh, they did manage to win that other game, whereas our winnable game, uh, our most winnable game, was against Sweden. And we uh, we led in that game and, and managed not to win. So uh, you get punished for for not winning your winnable game. Simon, I'm feeling the urge to lay down some dope lyrics here. Let the beat drop, will you? Owen's Poems with Owen McDevitt featuring the poetry of Owen McDevitt and what an absolute yeah. load of nonsense that is Mer- right. nonsense Lyrical gangster Owen McDevitt here with the first Owen's Poems of Euro 2016 spurred into action by some barbed comments that emerged in the Italian media this week I offer to you the rebuttal did you hear your man Marco Tardelli slagging us off on the Italian telly? Says all we do is give it a welly. Our brain's been replaced by fat lumps of jelly. We have trouble handling the game tactically. A bit too much fire in the belly. Well, excuse me, Mr. Big and Smelly. I'll hold off on mentioning you're not in considerable Ned Kelly. But we weren't exactly living la vita belle with you and Trap giving us the hard selly. You had all the personality of a tyre from Pirelli, despite your musings being polished by Manuela Spinelli. Your training sessions were boring as hell. He had neither the genius nor the evil of Machiavelli. Our players would rather read Keats, even Shelley, than listen to any more bullshit from Marco Tardelli. Uh, that's, I, actually, yeah. I, uh, I have to say, oh, that, that's good. Oof. It was a very challenging yeah, read. It's a tough one, Very yeah. challenging uh, 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 surname that you've chosen there. Mm. Subject matter. You should, but... be on, uh, you should be on that uh, Funny Fridays. <laughs> Funny Fridays? <laughs> on Livelight. Yeah, yeah, that's, <laughs> so, I think that's the next step. That's I, I definitely might, an upgrade. I might put right? a word in with a with a person or two and see yeah. if I can uh, see if I can swing that. I couldn't Tacti- quite tactically <laughs> rhyming with what belly? No, uh, well, it's all pretty Smelly. much belly. Yeah, uh, je- yeah jelly was the only thing. You know, Martin O'Neill was was offered the chance to uh, to to uh, fire back at Marcus O'Neill and just refused to take really? it. Um, he he was asked. I could actually hear the happiness in the voice of the journalist who asked the question. Um, it was Craig Hope from the Daily Mail and he said, uh, he said, uh, Martin, you know, have you heard Marco Tardelli's comments? He says that Irish footballers like intellect. What do you have to say about that? And I could hear how happy he was and I was, I was, I shared his happiness and his anticipation as I waited to see how Martin O'Neill would, um, would defend the honour of the Irish footballer's brain. <laughs> and, uh, 
Instead, Martin O'Neill just looked at his desk and he said, Martin Tardelli is entitled to his opinion. <laughs> and uh, Seamus Coleman was, was a little bit more cutting. Do you want to know what Seamus Coleman said? Yeah, go for it. He said, I'm not really bothered what Marco thinks about anything. Oof, they won't like that in Italy. So, uh, yeah, so I don't know. Maybe, maybe they, they, just, they just didn't think it was worth responding. There's no interest in a war of words with the former assistant manager. I hereby declare owns Euro 2016 poems officially open to the public. You'll be glad to know I'm looking for match reports from Ireland versus Italy in the form of poems structured as above, four stanzas, four lines per stanza. Be very selective when deciding what word to end the opening line with because that's the word that must end up <laughs> at the end charge, of each of the yeah, 16 lines. Don't charge, you know, headlong into this poem. Mm. Just do, just think very carefully about that last word of that first line. You can email us to secondcaptains at irishtimes.com. As always, Emmett Malone is in Lille. Emmett, we've been talking a bit about Antonio Conte. It doesn't sound like uh, the Italian players are going to be short of motivation. You had an interesting quote from there today. There will be decisions made that will show everyone how much this game means to us. I'm scared, Emmett. What, what has he got in mind? <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think he was implying that uh, he's not taking it as lightly as, as people seem to suggest. Over the last couple of days, the Italian press have relentlessly been suggesting that he'd make eight, maybe nine changes. I mean, yesterday when I talked to people in the press centre before the press conference, they were absolutely certain of, of, of the number being nine. And yet uh, Conte came in and made it very clear that uh, as far as he was concerned, people were, were overestimating the, the scale of change. So, uh, personnel-wise, I suppose that's one thing anyway, but mentality, I think, at this age... Yeah, we're all, yeah. no, 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 absolutely, you're right. right. I mean, that, is, that is the intention there. And what he was saying was that, uh, that, that they, they want to keep on winning here, they want to keep up the momentum, and that there's, you know, all sorts of reasons, you know, uh, keeping the press off their backs, uh, reasons why they should go in and, and win this game. And he used the example of the Norway game in, 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 uh, in qualifying where, uh, where they had already qualified themselves. Norway went to Rome needing a win. And they still, as Conte put it, sent them to the qualifiers when they didn't need to. So, you know, uh, you know, Conte, he, he, he's, you know, a, a very assured, impressive guy in these things. And um, he was pretty convincing yesterday that, that the, this winning this game was a priority. One part of this, which is out of his control, now the control of Martin O'Neill, is the, uh, the pitch and the state of the pitch. Sure. Ir- irreversibly damaged, according to UEFA, but not so damaged that they, they have to move the game or anything like that. But the pitch will be ripped up pretty much immediately afterwards. The general consensus seems to be this will favour Ireland, given that uh, Italy might have more technical players who prefer a nice nice carpet-like surface. Yeah, I, I suppose it's going to... If it's going to favour somebody, it is going to probably be us, and it is on that basis. It's a, like a rather sad admission to make that, uh, that, a, that a terrible pitch is going to uh, be in our favour. I mean, you know, look, we have... You know, countless examples from from the league back home and from all over all over the world of of you know stories about people you know willingly destroying their own pitches when they're playing uh, better football insides. Um, I, I you know I, that if it is a factor, it'll be a factor uh, in our favour. Um, it'll be fairly pitiful if that's the difference between the sides, but um, uh, it'd be it would be rather a surprise too. I got to say, I mean, on Saturday night, I was a bit concerned about the possibility of the Irish players recovering psychologically for this one. Sure. But then you see Wales, uh, different, a different kind of a defeat against England, but more heartbreaking, a lot more heartbreaking in its way. And they were absolutely fine a few days later, which gives me a little bit of hope that maybe Ireland will be okay tonight. What's your sense of that? Uh, just in terms yeah, of our I own performance. Yeah. A lot of it comes down to how much they believe all the stuff about the Sweden game. Uh, uh, for me, the Sweden performance has been has been over-egged. Um, I, I'm not sure that we played quite as well as people are now making out we did. And we did it against a team that was... Uh, 
you know, very average. These were two sides that wouldn't have made the old uh, championships, uh, uh, the 16-team championship. And um, and when we stepped up against the better side, we, we looked really, you know, to be out of our depth. If the players really believe, as Martin O'Neill has, has certainly tried to make them believe, that they really did well against uh, Sweden, that, that they were accomplished, as he said, uh, that they looked the part, they looked, you know, uh, worthy of being on a European stage, then, you know, they, they, they will take something from that and they will, they will absolutely go into this game, I think, thinking that if they can rediscover that momentum, as he said yesterday, then they have some sort of chance. But, you know, really... If, if they look at it more coldly and think, well, you know, we really, we kind of, you know, battled our way through a game against Sweden and blew a lead and then we are completely outclassed against Belgium, then certainly they have uh, some some picking up to do ahead of this game. You mentioned Conte's nine changes, rumoured nine changes. Every report I read about this Ireland team puts some other player under pressure. Almost all of them seem to be in the firing line here. What do you think is going to happen? Yeah, I'm not really sure. I mean, it is remarkable the scale of change that seems to be envisaged. Um, I mean, certainly Clark and McCarthy look like they might be uh, going um, with... uh, I I would have had Duffy and Stephen Quinn coming in there, but uh, the appearance of Coleman at the press conference yesterday certainly suggested that John O'Shea's place is in doubt, and and there has been some talk of that around the place. Uh, And then changes up front um, seem inevitable um, uh, in the the broader sense of the attacking line. Uh, What quite he does there I'm not sure it seems to be a kind of general feeling that Murphy's going to come in now there are disagreements then over what he does um, if you bring in Murphy if it's for long I really can't see how that uh, adds to your attacking threat if you take out uh, Houlihan I don't see how that adds to your attacking threat and ultimately we need to win this game so for me uh, if Murphy comes in the only way it makes sense is if long stays in there if Houlihan stays in there but that's not the team that I good many people here are predicting so we'll, we'll have to wait and see it, it, it does seem like after um, it's a funny thing all through the qualifiers uh, uh, O'Neill's teams were quite difficult to call and then uh, by the end of them and certainly coming to this championship it was pretty clear what he thought his best team was and the last two teams have actually been pretty straightforward to predict here I think we're going to see him ripping up the book again and making a big big play to try and win this game but it's a, it's a tall order it is a tall order have you got much optimism not a huge amount, I have to say. Uh, I mean, we, we, you know, as I say, I, I think you know he he looked at this this group of players and saw what he thought was his best team, and with some reason there was a logic to that. If you look through the qualifiers, the big results, the performances in particular games, and now what we seem to be essentially doing is is abandoning that because you know key players, and I'm not saying that's the wrong thing to do in the circumstances, because key players clearly haven't performed, you know. Uh, so he is he's making a big play, uh, but it does seem to be on the, on the face of it in terms of the quality of the actual players involved uh, be to weakening the team and um, he has to change things uh, but you know look I mean the, the talk around the place seems to be that Kyo for instance could partner Duffy in, in central defence well neither of them have done anything wrong for us as Clark hadn't done a whole lot wrong until he'd come here but the two of them play in the championship and I don't think they've ever partnered each other in central defence before but they're going out uh, tonight against uh, Italy uh, which is not a terribly promising scenario Daryl Murphy you know, works his, his, his backside off. He's uh, he, he's done, you know, a lot of good things for Ireland. But again, you know, the idea that Daryl Murphy as a battering ram is going to make the difference against Italy. Well, look, I think you're going to have to get a few breaks of the ball along the way as well. All right, I'm alone in Lille. Hopefully it'll work out a little better than that. Thank you. Thank you. I Mickey and Steve Nash. Here we go. Stop it.
Jetzt wenn du da was trinkst. Duffman kann nie sterben. Nur die Aktoren, die ihn spielen. Er hat es nicht geschafft. Nein, 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 er hat es nicht geschafft. I think he just said right there. Oh, yeah. He's got more of a Well, Ken, what do we think of those proposed changes? Emmett seems particularly doubtful that dropping both your center halves is a, is a good idea at this stage of the tournament. Well, depends how badly you think they've played. Um, I actually thought that O'Shea had done okay. Uh, I mean, you know, given the, the limitations that we know John O'Shea has now, I mean, he is 35. Um, he's not necessarily as quick on the turn as he used to be. Um, that that is something. We, you know, we, we knew that before the tournament. I thought against Belgium he did quite well. I mean, he, he had a he was up against Lukaku. He was having to do a lot of the kind of first ball defending against Lukaku. I thought he actually did it quite well. He didn't make any conspicuous mistakes. I mean, if you if you go back, I'm sure you can say, well, maybe he could have done this, maybe he could have done that. But you know, maybe it is time for Martin O'Neill to make some changes here. What's happened so far hasn't really worked. Um, you know, O'Shea is one of the big players in the team. If he comes out, maybe it's a kind of signal of um, of how O'Neill feels about how how things have gone so far. I mean, the idea of bringing in Duffy is is interesting to me because uh, he's such an obvious threat at attacking set pieces. Um, you know, he he he's a really really pretty big guy. <laughs> That's. I mean, imagine the Italians could overhear this conversation. Uh, the Irish are talking about how one of their central defenders is very big. You know, these guys really, you know, imagine what Tardelli would say about that. We're also like, talking you know. about how the pitch, uh, talking down there about how the pitch has cut up so badly that that could potentially stifle the Italians' <laughs> technical ability. Well, you know, I don't know if this is a particularly technical Italian side. Yeah. You know, uh, I don't think they, I don't really think they are. I don't think we need to be intimidated by the Italian technical ability tonight. Probably, I suppose, it's, it's a level above ours. I mean, they usually... Are, but it's not as though this is an Italian side with, you know, uh, too many Roberto Baggio's in it. Uh, it's not that kind of a team. Um, you know, I mean, if you look at the other changes we could make, there's lots of different sort of rumour changes. I mean, we were talking the other day about the rumour which had Hulan and Long both coming out, uh, you know, along with players like Clark and uh, McCarthy or whatever. Um it's you know it's, it's difficult. I mean, what O'Neill did say was he he talked a lot about the need for freshness and energy, uh, which if you're a Wes Hulhan fan m maybe sounds a little bit uh, a little bit ominous. Um, but I suppose really for any of the players who started the two games, start, it sounds a little bit ominous because what what could he be talking about there other than bringing in fresh players? Um, you know, as to how he's going to go, I I personally think that give us your team there. Go on, what your team? Forget about how he's going to go. Given the players who are there at the moment, what would Ken Early's starting eleven be? Stick with Randall. Well, it's it's hard to know without having seen in training or maybe spoken to James McCarthy about what he thinks he's been up to in the tournament so far. <laughs> Getting inside the head of James McCarthy would be key to your selection process. Not an easy head to get into, no. I think. Um, I mean, if you were asking me before the tournament what my ideal team would be, it wouldn't have Glenn Whelan in it. It would have James McCarthy uh, doing what Glenn Whelan usually does. But we don't have that. Uh, I, don't, I don't think we're going to go with that. And I, I think it will be difficult to pick McCarthy if you're dropping other players because he's played so badly. You know, at some point you've got to say sorry, but you just you played yourself out of the team. Um, if we're talking about tomorrow, I guess then um, I would say uh, uh, Coleman, O'Shea, Duffy, um, Brady, yeah. um, Whelan, 
Hendrick, Quinn, Hulahan, Murphy, Long. Okay. I'm picking Daryl Murphy. I'm picking Daryl Murphy on because, even though I don't think Daryl Murphy is necessarily one of the best strikers at the European Championships, if Ireland are going to play the kind of football that we saw against Belgium, then we probably need a player like that in the team because, uh, you know, there's no point playing long ball football unless you've got a target man. Uh, if we are going to play, uh, you know, it's, it's hard to know what we're going to do. Uh, but, you know, with McCarthy out of, out of form, apparently out of form, I mean, could you trust him? To, could, you, could you pick him again and trust him? Difficult at this stage of the tournament. There's something not not quite right there. Um, usually he would be in my Ireland team every time. But uh, at the moment, it's just uh, it's hard to see how he how he gets in. Uh, I've heard the uh, Ireland-France game quite a few times in the last 24 hours. Duffer mentioned it last night. Ireland-France 2009. Yeah. As a similar scenario where we had to go and win, mm-hmm. thereby taking the shackles off and playing an adventurous Almost successful style of football. Yep. Are you buying into any of that? Um, I think we'll. I think we'll play all right. Uh, I just. Uh, I, I. I just. I, I. I can't construct an argument for us to to win the game. I. I, I just can't do it. I mean, I, like I think we'll get a draw. I think it'll be one all. Uh, I think we'll score, but I just. Yeah. I, I. I don't know. It seems like a leap of faith too far. I'm afraid, on even for me. I mean, I'm a simple man in many ways. I mean, you know, I, I have a, you know, the, my outlook on life is refreshingly simple. Uh, and on mornings like this morning, usually that's a good thing. You know, I, I can get up out of bed with a bit of optimism, but oh, just today, on oh, today, I'm, I'm, I'm just not feeling it. We should also mention that Italy now face Spain in the second round, Ken, after Spain lost to Croatia last night. That's a big, that's a big thing. Why? What game do you think the Italians are all thinking about? Hmm. Yeah, you know, I mean it's pretty obvious uh, what they what they've been focused on ever since that results came through. Um, you know, we're just we're in the way at the moment, but we're not. We we're kind of we're irrelevant. We're just a, a total irrelevance to them. And uh, Spain is has got to be the focus of their camp, not necessarily of the substitute uh, reserve players who'll be playing against us. Um, you know, I think there's a, I still think there's every chance. Yeah, <laughs> I really do. I mean, I, was, I met a couple of journalists last night who was at the Northern Ireland game with, and they were, you know, we were looking at that Spain-Croatia game and realizing, oh my God, that means Italy against Spain in the next round. And then people were kind of filling out, how's this going to go? You know, trying to fill out what, what are the second round fixtures going to be? What are the likely quarterfinals going to be? Where? Who's, who's going to be playing where? And so on. And um, and the, the thing that made it difficult to fill out was this uncertainty over how it was going to. And I kept saying, well, that could be Ireland there. And they were just laughing. Um, at the no, at the notion that Ireland could qualify, uh, you know, against they play either France or Croatia or forget who the other uh, team is that we could potentially play, um, but it was just it was uh, Ireland have been written off. I'm telling you, by the international uh, media, Those Ireland bastards, Ken, are already out of this tournament. Well, who's going to join? Sounds like you're confident, Ken. Thanks for lifting this. Uh, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. You're confident, confident Ken. Just, you're very confident. I'm so who's? Tell you, I'm, <laughs> try, I'm just trying to tell you how just how little chance. I mean, literally, the idea that Ireland could qualify, which let's remember, just win one game, and that's what's going to happen. Yeah. That idea was just seemed to be the funniest joke in Paris last night. Okay, who's going to join Ray Houghton, Ronnie Whelan, Sean St. Ledger, and Wes Hoolan as a goal-scoring hero for Ireland at European Championships? Who's going to be the hero tonight? Because we are going to win and go through. I'm just wondering the details. Wondering about the details. Uh, who's going to fill in the last year? Uh, well, Shane Duffy Brady from a free kick. Robbie, maybe Robbie Brady free kick. Maybe Shane Duffy will will score a headed hat trick from set pieces. 
All right, Gad, I know you have to get on your train to Lille there. So uh, if someone has your seat this time, by the way, just leave them to it. You don't attempt fate twice in a row. Uh, No, I think while the sun is up, the... um the uh, the seat uh, law is respected. It's when the sun dips down below that horizon that mere anarchy is loosed upon the world and, uh, you know, um, things start to get a little bit nasty. Thanks, Ken. Enjoy the game tomorrow. Thanks, Owen. Enjoy, enjoy the game today, yeah. I should say. Thanks, Murph. Thanks, Owen. Thanks, Ken. We'll have all the post-match uh-huh. reaction tomorrow is what I intended to say. Richie's going to be here. And loads more besides hopefully something to celebrate. We'll see. That's the second time it's gone off. They never go home. They never go home. They never go home. Those 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 boys.